these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. Can I start you off with a really petty take? Absolutely. That's kind of how I live my life. Okay. Like, this is this is such a Homer, just dumb, petty take after last night's game. Okay. A 127-113 loss to the 76ers. I Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Joel and B just drew another foul. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. They, I just, walked right they, into they that. blew the whistle and Joel just got two more free throws. <laughs> well, it plays into my my petty take. Okay. I hate watching Joel Embiid play basketball. Hate. And I sat on that word. Do, do I hate it? That's a strong word. Hate's a strong word. I can't stand watching that guy play basketball. He's great. He's unstoppable in so many ways. It also helps when you've got officials. You know, Anytime you step within a three-foot radius of his musk, you get blown for a foul. I can't stand watching the guy. I can't do it, Kyle. Last, <laughs> last night was brutal. Uh, just a loss, right? Uh, they wake up this morning, 20-6, and six, still two and a half games up in the West. Uh, second night of a back-to-back tonight at Target Center against the Lakers. No LeBron. That was just, yeah. just came out a half hour ago. But uh, I don't know. I think people that are coming to, to tonight's game are paying to watch the best in the business. And if LeBron shows up or not, that's just... Uh, icing on the cake but uh they're coming to watch the best team in the league and that's what the timberwolves are so last night though uh we've talked about this i've lectured you a little bit i feel a little bad i've talked about in-game tweeting i was close i was really close to sending me like is nicola pekovic gonna follow out tweet like what's going on um it was not really basketball and the bummer is and you hit it on the head philly's actually good like philly's yeah. good joel Embiid is is really good uh, it's just the free throw merchant, the hunting for these fouls, the flopping, the falling down. That's just like really tough. Uh, and I don't really know how they police it. I think you were on it. I think you texted me this. The good thing is that the league doesn't reward that in the playoffs. So that's partly why Joel Embiid has not been a postseason player and he's been injured and he has toughed it out. Uh, but that's not rewarded, but in the same vein, He's not the only one that does it, right? Luca does it. Harden on the resurgent Clippers does it. SGA Shea does Gildas it. Alexander's biggest. Um, so it's it's both like a double edged sort of. They're not going to necessarily see that too much in the playoffs because well, they if they do, the the refs won't reward it. But in the same vein, it's something they have to navigate uh, because it just completely ruins their flow on defense and then offensively. I mean, also too, I don't. Do you have anything else to say? Because I have a rant on it, but I, I just stole the thunder. So, like, <laughs> no, I, how much I do you not like watching him? You can talk the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I said what I said what I wanted to say, which is I hate watching Joel and me play basketball. I hate the way he's officiated. Boom. I'll, I'll see you guys at the end for Random Wolf of the Week. Go, I think the, Kyle, the, the, the thing that drives me crazy is I'm pulling up last night's box score, uh, and I come at this right. Like, I've always said I am a fan, but now I work in the big, bad media, and I try to land, navigate both paths. Uh I don't want to tell anyone what to do. I don't want to tell anyone how to cheer. I also don't want to be condescending. And I saw the entire timeline last night was just complaining about officiating and then Joel Embiid. I think there's two topics there because the Embiid stuff was really bad. But there was also like an officiating just in general. There was that time where Maxi drove on Carl. Ball goes out of bounds. They called off on Carl. Carl's beside himself. He was great again last night. We should talk about that. 
in terms of his energy or his his personality. Mm-hmm. But then Finch was about ready to kill someone because he's like, I have to burn a I have to burn a challenge on a call that was so obvious. Mm-hmm. So he had to burn that. Then there was like when Ant got the rebound on the baseline and Paul Reed kind of pushed him, but the ball went out on Ant, but there was a foul. But it's just there were so many bad whistles. My rant is is that if you're the person that comes to the timeline and pushes your glasses up and is like, oh, well, actually, Philly got charged or whistled for more fouls in Minnesota. It's like, <laughs> that kind of reminds me of when you go to Arizona or Vegas. And you're like, oh, it's hot. And then the nerd is like, oh, it's a dry heat. It's like, yeah, it's still hot. Like, shut up. <laughs> like, There's still all these free throws given to Joel Embiid that just ruined the flow of the game. So great, Philly was called for more fouls in Minnesota. But that's not, that's box score hunting. That's but not that's also, the context of the game. The broad, I think, I think it was, I think Grady brought this or Jim Pete. Jim Pete was about to get suspended last night. Like, I love that. He was so <laughs> mad. You could hear it in his voice. He wanted to basically fight Embiid, and I loved it. But they called a spade a spade. They said, this is terrible. But also, like, if you're Rudy, get your hands out of the cookie jar. If you're Carl, yeah. stop putting your hands out there. Like, you're not helping what is already a big problem. You need to, you know, stop doing some of that stuff because some of it was fouls for sure. But. Well, Jim Pete had the nugget or one, one of the broadcast had the nugget that the Sixers came in and they were 14th in fouls committed that the Wolves mm-hmm. actually commit. They're more or more. I'm sorry that uh, fouls called on them. They're 14th. The Wolves actually get generate more foul calls, but that the Sixers lead the league in free throw shot. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the point that when the Sixers, it, there's a disproportionate amount of shooting fouls called on the Sixers. And you know me, dude, like we've we've now been friends and <laughs> podcast mates for a year and a half. And, and in that order, too. Yes. Well, I think we were <laughs> podcast mates for a week and That's then we true. became friends the next week. And now now we're friends first and podcast mates second, which is great. But I hate coming on these shows and doing the blame the officials show. Mm-hmm. I hate it. And I think it's it's such a like it's such a fan trope too to fall. And I saw Jace tweeting about this and he was right last night, too, that. Because you watch the home broadcast and it's like everything that you're watching and hearing is is emphasizing how the local team is being affected by the fouls. And we do tend as fans to dismiss that, you know, at the end of the day, over the course of time, and I do believe in this, over the course of time, most often fouls even out. But there are like Warriors and Lakers on one fringe and the Wolves are on the other fringe. So there is a, there is a big picture conversation. But last night was so egregious Joel Embiid shot 18 free throws and he's without the free throws, by the way, if you take away the 17 for 18 from the line, I still think he scored. He scored 34 points on 25 shots, grabbed 12 rebounds. He was excellent because he can't miss from 18 feet. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, I kind of wish today we could sit here and say, wow, how if they have to run into this team, which would be a great champagne problem to have in the middle of June, if they have to play this team in a seven game series in the NBA finals, how are you going to stop Embiid? But, but the conversation is just as much about how can you like, how can you defend him in a legal way where it also doesn't look like you're fouling him? Because if he's going to shoot 18 free throws, you can't. There's no, you're going to get swept in the seven game series. So I'm so I'm, I'm caught between. I hated everything about the way that game was officiated. I hate the way Joel Embiid plays basketball. I also feel like there's a fun just sort of basketball chess match discussion about last night's game in which I don't feel any red flags because Rudy Gobert had two fouls right away. The Wolves had to change their entire defensive strategy. The Wolves were plus eight in the Towns minutes, plus six in the Gobert minutes. And until the very end, they were also plus in the Edwards minutes. 
the Wolves, like the Wolves held their own like as Embiid is doing his thing. I think they were only a minus four in the Embiid minutes, right? Yep. He was a plus four. Yes, he was a plus yeah. four after all that. So you had a couple like Nas Reed minutes were a minus 27 and Nikhil minutes were a minus 24. You had a little leakage on the bench, basically, mm-hmm. in a game in which that dude went to the line and shot 18 free throws. So I'm all sorts of mixed emotions off that game last night. I think if those two teams played again in a seven game series in the playoffs, I think the Wolves would win in like six. But yeah, and we'll see. You you, you said his name. So I, I do credit Jace because I think sometimes he has more of a a wider lens to some of this stuff. But I also don't think it necessarily equates or counteracts to what most of the fans were saying last night is that just in general, I don't want to watch 47 fouls be called. I don't want to watch 58 free throws happen. Uh, Joel Embiid was dominant and he didn't miss from that mid-range kind of jumper from the free throw line, partly because he got 18 free practice shots from it without anyone guarding him. You know what I mean? Like they couldn't at that point when he got the ball in that kind of mid post area on the free throw line, they no longer felt comfortable trying to guard him because they thought if I, I'm either going to step up and put my body into him, put my hands out there, try to play real defense and he's going to flop and get two free throws or I have to give him this opportunity to shoot from here. Go look at his, uh, not box score, go look at his shot chart. They're just all a bunch of mid-range shots because no one felt comfortable guarding him. They tried Rudy, two early fouls. Finch did what he does after games and took a subtle shot at the officiating. And then they had to cycle through Carl and Carl doesn't have the size I thought Carl was really good again last night, but doesn't have the size. Then you go to Nas, and then you had to go to Kyle, and it's just it, – it's a bigger picture. I totally understand more than ever watching one team that, like, you can't watch all 30 teams. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the criticisms of what's happening to your team aren't real. It's just I'm watching it through this prison. Yeah, I'll go watch a Warriors game. They get a tough whistle. Go watch a Pacers yeah. game, whatever. But that doesn't take away from the fact that it's hot in Vegas in July. Yeah, and last I, night it was hot in that arena – with a whistle that just would not stop. And from a pure basketball standpoint, it was almost the antithesis of what we watched on Monday, where they kind of let them play. It got up and down. They allowed a little more physicality. But I can't watch Phil Embiid get those calls one after the other and then not be like, what about that Ant dunk attempt? Like, that was maybe the biggest foul of the game. Like, he misses the... And by the way, that would have not been the dunk of the year that would have been the dunk of the century because it does matter the personalities. You don't know who Ant dunked on in the past because those guys are out of the league or on the bench. If Ant does that on Joel Embiid, the reigning MVP, it would have broke the internet. And the only reason it didn't happen is because he was fouled and it wasn't called. And Embiid was trying to foul him, dude. Like, yep. like he go, at first he went up straight up and then he realized, oh no, this is happening. And so he, he brings his arms down and he fouls him. And that's like the last thing I'll say on it is... I do have one. I do have a fun Embiid stat for you. But but the last thing I'll say in terms of my opinion on last night is you and I have sort of said we like they're going to lose even if they're the number Mm -hmm. one seed at the end of the day in the Western Conference. They're going to lose 20 to 30 times this season. Right. Like 20, 25, 30. Yeah. We'll see. And we we welcome breaking down sort of the okay. let's poke holes in this thing. it's, It's amazing to say that the Wolves are so good that we're like looking for reasons to poke holes in them. And I was I. I was looking forward to a tough, hard-fought game. Maybe they come up short, and we can talk about, boy, what does this look like? But it's almost like you almost just throw this game away for the way that it went down, the way that Mm -hmm. literally all three of your big men had two fouls in the first quarter last night, Mm -hmm. right? So 
it's there's two minutes left in the first quarter and Jim Pete's like, what are they going to are they going to bring in Luca? We're going to get a we're going to get a Garza game early here. A cigars a game. Last night was a it was a cigars a game. It was but a on the cigars wrong, a game, the but uh, for of, a, the wrong type uh, of celebration. <laughs> I, you know what? You, you said this earlier in mixed emotions and I kind of feel the same. It, it's such a different feeling after that game and that performance. I mean, they were they're still in it, right? I think it was 10 points with two minutes and change left. But Finch probably saw the writing on the wall that. My guys are not going to continuously be able to try to push this rock uphill against eight people, not five, because the officiating was, in my mind, so lopsided. But I thought there were things to poke holes in. Um, and, and Dane highlighted some of this on Twitter today, but just in the moment last night, too, you're watching. Like, Carl took two threes in a game that he should have taken eight because that helps. I mean, they either have a smaller guy on him and Tobias Harris, or they have him beat on him. You want to pull him beat away from the basket. Carl should be chucking eight of those things up. Uh, the bench, this is going to be a reoccurring theme where every time the bench is good, we're going to be like deepest team in the league. I've done that and been guilty of it. And when they're not good, you're like, holy bleep, they have to make a trade at, before the deadline because they put Kyle in last night as break glass in case of emergency. His defense has been, in my opinion, really, really, really good this season. But his offense has damn near fallen off a cliff. Like, he, he missed bunny after bunny last night. And if Kyle's not going to score or at least be a threat, I, I really start to wonder, those are the guys that just get absolutely cooked in the playoffs, like, that are unplayable if you can't go both ways in the playoffs. So I'm not saying trade Kyle Anderson, but, yeah, Nas gave you 10 points last night. He was a minus 27. Uh, Nikhil gave you four points. He was a minus 24. Just... Yep. They they do. He tried Shake Milton again last night. He thought you know Finch did. Maybe the the tribute video would get him going. Not did not. Uh, they still. And I've seen mixed emotions in this in like the comments section and stuff. This team lacks offense. That's okay to admit. Yes, Carl is great, and yes, Ant is great. And last night, Jaden had a career high in the first half. Kind of simmered in the second, but they don't have a consistent score. And Nas falls into that sometimes. He's not always going to be consistently giving you 18, 20 points. So it's something to look at. It's Their offense still gets stagnant. They struggle to score. And at some point, even though I love this defense and this grind them out mentality, you know, they give up 37 points in the fourth last night. That's not like them. That's not the lean on them until they break. The Wolves broke. So bad officiating, stop blowing the whistle, but also find ways to get easier buckets that aren't all hero isolation, long threes, yeah. step back, Dirk Nowitzki too is like get easy buckets because that's what Philly did last night they executed in the fourth got a little help but that's how they won the game I want to have a, a, a another Carl conversation too because I thought I thought last night largely he was composed he was efficient he was mm -hmm. he really is playing some of the best basketball I think of his career over the last like month and change but just one quick fun Joel Embiid nugget for you if we can just appreciate the work that he actually did do on the court. And it is, you know, Tim Duncan was a boring player, methodical, but efficient and great. And mm -hmm. he would just hit those little bank shots from 15 feet. The big fundamental, right? Mm -hmm. And Bede has a lot of that to him. He just sits out there, top of the key, basically from like the elbow to the elbow, extended out 18 feet. He is automatic. And I was like, man, that guy, that guy shoots a, you know, just even watching this game, like, and watching other games, I would say he probably shoots about as well from that range as some of the best three-point shooters shoot from from three, right? So I went and looked it up. Have you ever looked up like exactly his percentages from long two? No, but I Dude, would love to hear. It's insane. 
he shoots he's shooting 54 percent from long two from like from like 20 feet he's shooting 54 percent he's shooting 53 percent from 10 to 16 feet jj berea's last year as a timberwolf just to put this into context one of my least favorite timberwolves by the way guy drove me nuts but he wasn't he was in, he was a feisty guy energy guy J.J. Barea shot 50% from point-blank range, from the rim. Like, when he would go in for a layup, he'd always go up for that little scoop layup, and then inevitably one of the trees would swat it into the third row, or he'd reject himself on the underside of the rim or something. So Barea shot 50% from point-blank range his last year's Wolf. And Beat is shooting five percentage points higher from long two-point range. He is one of the greatest long two-point shooters in the history of the NBA. Percentage-wise, it is insane how good he is at that shot. He Joel Embiid is one of the five best players in the league. Like he is awesome, but it doesn't necessarily negate. And you're not doing this, but it doesn't negate the fact that why can't you just be awesome and not have all this extra stuff? Well, it's up to the officials to correct that, right? Yeah, yeah, I think don't some. Get, I mean, don't I, get tricked, dude. Don't yeah, get, don't get fooled into it. Yeah, it's listen, just man, like dude, it's, it's like when SGA like in that game against the Wolves a few weeks ago. He's and there's a few Chris Paul has been famous for this. It's the come off a screen and act like you got mm-hmm. shot in the shoulder by a you know a sniper. And then the officials fall for it. Like, dude, you're a professional referee in the NBA for 15 years. Why are you falling for that trope? And the same as it's not and Embiid's not the first big man to ever flop and flail and you know, it's funny. Is I mean, and I've never defended Carl for this. Carl does a lot of the same stuff and never gets those same calls. It's it's the the differentiation there, between the way those guys are officiated. There was a missed like <laughs> charge call. I mean, there was just a lot of missed. The thing with Embiid that really gets me is that, and this I'm not comparing them specifically, but there is just like a lot of Shaq in his game. What you just said about like long twos in his mid range, that's not something Shaq ever had. But Joel Embiid, because I remember I covered a Sixers game last year in Minnesota. He is like Carl's big. And Rudy Gobert is big. Joel Embiid's just massive. He's just mm-hmm. so much bigger. So it is hard to guard him. The the Embiid thing that I always circle back to is I struggle with being the most dominant player in the league, like a Shaq was, but also having like the flop ability or like the reflexes of like a five ten guard. Like yeah. Shaq would Shaq never did any of that stuff. It was just constantly abuse, 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 physicality. There was like no flopping that I can remember, and I watched those Shaq years. And 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 Shaq, if Shaq flopped, you don't you don't want him shooting free throws. So that's right. probably part of the reason for him, right? Well, and, and I, you do want. Shooting. And now after seven games, Alan Horton had this yesterday through the first the last six games, but now when you add in this, Embiid is averaging sixteen point five seven free throw attempts per game against Minnesota over the last seven games. So so that that is <laughs> if you want to go not glass half full, but like if I'm Finch. I'm sure they were well aware of it, and I'm sure they schemed for it. And like, hey, we got to stop this. Like, if those stats are public, I definitely know they're talking about them privately. But there's also just a little bit of like, yeah, the, the league needs to clean it up. I don't know why they allow that stuff in the regular season because it masks what was a good performance. He he is probably yeah. the leader again for MVP right now through 20, you know, 5% of the season. It just it, it broke the wolves. They didn't have any way to respond. It messed them up early. But that's probably the learning lesson. That's probably the thing they talk about today at shoot around or, or moving forward is that this is one of those situations. It's not always going to be like the Miami Heat game where we can do what we want to do to come back, claw back, and win a game. You're going to have this, you know, the deck stacked against you at times. That happened last night. 
And how do we overcome that? They don't know how to do that yet. It does tie a lot into their offense, but uh, it was not fun. And I look forward to watching. Well, I would say I look forward to watching tonight's game. But the Lakers get a pretty good whistle, too. So maybe I'll look forward to watching the game on Saturday. Yeah, well, no LeBron, and he obviously gets the, the best He'll probably still get eight free throws, there. though, at somehow. <laughs> yeah, just to come on in here. He limps out there with his ankle injury. Uh, on Carl here for a second. Mm-hmm. So I was I was at that that the the Boston home game where they beat a really good Celtics team. I, th- I don't think Derek White was playing in that game, so they did. No, he did not. So it wasn't a fully stocked Celtics team, but it was one of the more exciting wins of the season. And and that's a point in the season too. Is the sixth game of the year. The Wolves are trying. They just beat Denver a couple nights earlier, and they're trying to prove themselves. And that I'll never forget sitting there that night. Was it was a celebration among the fans. It was a celebration among almost every player on the team. The Wolves at one point had double digit leads, and the only guy that was going against the current of the vibe in that arena was Carl. And that night, Carl went for seven points and a combination of thirteen thousand turnovers. Mm-hmm. And he was sullen and he was complaining. And it just it looked like his teammates had kind of figured it out. We beat Boston, we beat the Nuggets, and Carl was still trying to figure out his role in this thing. He was frustrated, and we and we talked about it on the podcast. Like, and that was that was kind of the peak of, boy, maybe Carl just like isn't the fit here. Maybe you maybe you do have to just trade him and move on and just try and try and find some other assets since that game he's played 20 games since november 6th 2023 he's shooting 56 percent from the field he's shooting 50 percent from three-point range he should take more we can come back to that he's shooting 90 percent from the free throw line he's averaging 24 points 10 rebounds three assists a steal and a block and his fouls are down from where they were on a rate basis the season before. This is one of the best 20 game stretches we've seen from Carl. He's been much more composed. He's been much more comfortable. This is the most efficient we've ever seen him across the board with one nitpick being maybe take like three or four more threes per game. But it, it all, I think it all snapped into place after that Boston game. This is if you're, and if you're getting this version of him, we talked about this with Doogie a little bit today on the scoop. It's like, you know, a couple months ago, you're looking at second apron, luxury tax. Next summer, you're going to have to get rid of one of these contracts just to get under the, the second apron. And two or three months ago, Kyle, it was like probably going to be Carl Anthony Towns. That was probably going to be the contract you move off from. But like he has been a huge reason why they're off to a 20 and six start. And, and these are great problems to have next summer. But he just deserves his flowers for the last 20 games, I guess, is my long rambling point here. And for those who don't trust that Phil is being honest. Uh, on the mic, he you did text me last night. I pulled it up. You texted me at this is midway through the game, five thirty four Pacific time. Quote: Cat has been so capital so cat has been so good since that Boston game in November. Hashtag extend Kirk. So I <laughs> I just want to say that Phil has come around too. And again, that that Boston moment, you were there. We did a pod, I think, the next day. There's nothing wrong with you know you can take samples or soil samples or whatever of like moments in time at that time it was really bad and he was doing nothing and to your point i'll be hyperbolic i think it's carl's best 20 game stretch because to go back to that miami game that we talked about with craig earlier this week like that that offensive rebound over jimmy to then not not you know get an offensive foul and then throw the lob to rudy i still think mike is the captain of 
unlocking Rudy and speaking French, but Carl has probably tried more than anyone else to make that work. Yeah. Uh, then he hits that, that jumper over Jimmy as well. So he's been great. He's done all of his talking on the court. Uh, he's tried to stay away from the straight vultures. I think there's times where he still kind of acts out, but that's the that's the thing that Jace talked about is step away. All 30 teams have multiple guys that you love. Damian Lillard shows up refs sometimes. Like Giannis shows up refs, like all these people. So he's been playing great. He unlocks the ceiling, and we're not going to talk about this today, but if you had to take a moment in time as we were getting closer and closer to this last ownership payment coming through and Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez taking over the team for good. And there was an article this week from Glenn Taylor, like his swan song, his last year on the team. They, when you made this experiment less than, you know, 18 months ago, I know we didn't have the new CBA, so you didn't know exactly, you didn't know the second apron term and all that stuff. But if this team continues to be successful, not only in the regular season, but finally breaks through and does something meaningful in the postseason, you sure as hell better not get cheap now and force this experiment that you invested damn near a decade's worth of assets into and then pull the plug. If this thing is real and sustainable, you better pay for it to be sustainable. And I'm not talking about you and I or the fans. I'm talking about the people that have the big money. So we'll see. Yeah, and some of it, I mean, there's there's the financial ramifications of, you know, if, as you get into the second luxury, there's the first luxury tax apron and then there's the second one and it just costs more money to mm-hmm. keep for an ownership group. But then there's also just the competitive restrictions that get placed on you that didn't exist a few years ago. But these are all and I actually do have a couple sort of, um, you know, I guess, date, Mary kill type <laughs> questions for oh, yeah, you when it comes to this okay. roster. But we can we can we can save those for for down the road. Um, but, yeah, Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, come on. Fit, fit, last, it's a 20 game sample here in which he's also playing the best defense of his career, probably. 56% shooting, 50% from three, 90% from the free throw line, 24 points, 10 rebounds, three assists. Those are all NBA numbers, man. And if he can if he can keep playing even like 85 to 90% of this well and this efficient, then and he's back, man. Look to, out. Clo- to close the loop on Cat, because you mentioned this earlier, he's averaging 4.6 threes, threes attempted this season. That would be his lowest since 2018, 2019, when he also shot 4.6 threes a game. Um, so it was like his fourth season. It's just not enough. Like he shot, it was a weird sample size last year because he was injured, but he almost had six attempts last year. He just, mm-hmm. again, if you want more honest understanding and breakdown, go look at Dane's timeline. But he makes a great case. Just let it fly more. Like you are so efficient. It is such a valuable shot for you and an easy shot in so many different ways they run their offense to just have Carl pop spread the floor. It keeps everything uncongested and I will, I'll keep harping on it. And we did this in November a lot, Phil, but we'd be like, Oh, you know, the offense got a little stagnant last night, but defense won. Hooray. You know, let's keep it moving. Yeah. Last night was one of those nights where the offense didn't help them at all. And then if the defense wasn't there again, 37 in the fourth for Philly, that is an issue. They, we are covering over at 20 and six that this team is not, extremely well run offensively and it's way too hard for them and the easiest person to get a bucket in my opinion Ant said it the other night too it's so easy for Carl to get to his spots and get his shots it's way harder for me well if that's true and you mean that then Carl's got to let it fly more yeah uh hey before we uh, jump into a couple other topics here and a random wolf of the week 
just looking at the Wolves schedule here, places that you can go and grab a pregame or a postgame mm. beer before this Lakers game here. You got Dallas next Thursday, Lakers again. So three home games in the next week and a half while most of you are off from work. How about Modest? Modest Brewing just steps away from Target Center, a tap room in the North Loop, and also cans available in liquor stores throughout the metro. But this is a great spot to go in. And if you see the if you see one of the owners, Dan, uh, Dan's a great supporter and fan of Flagrant Howls and also the Scorner Twin Show, big Wolves fan. But um, Modest is one of the most unique and great tap rooms you're going to find in the upper Midwest. And it's a great place to grab a pregame beverage, Kyle, when we get when we get you back in town here at some point. Yay, beer. That's all I got. Drink beer. Watch the Wolves. It's like the best. We are coming up on a really fun stretch of not only games, they're they're in that dreaded 16 game stretch we talked about, right? And they're four and two, I believe. Right now, it started off. I think it started off with that Memphis game. So maybe I'm including Memphis. Three, but, I think they're three and two. Three, three and two. two. Okay, I included yeah. Memphis. Uh, so they're three and two. And all we wanted them to do was try to literally survive, go eight and eight. They're on that path. But just a lot of fun basketball games coming up. I know everyone's work schedules are maybe a little more relaxed. Your kids are home, whatever. So go to Modest, like watch these games, go to Target Center when they're on the road or whatever. Or when they're at home, go to Modest when they're on the road. It's a it's a really fun time. And last night, excluded the basketball is really good right now. I've watched that Miami Heat replay like five times. It was that was about as good of a basketball game as it gets. So that hopefully we get more of that. A freaking blast! Yeah, modestbrewing.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. Also, so we've told you about this a couple times on Flagrant House. So sound story, and if you know Love if you're it. listening to this today, it's December 21st, and you're panicking because you don't have a holiday gift for someone in your family. Well, you might be able to pull the mother of all holiday gifts with Sound Story. I've told you that my grandfather on my dad's side passed away a decade and a half before I was born. And he fought in World War II. He played football for Newt Rockney. He was a, a great athlete. All, all these stories, I'm sure some of them crazy. Uh, at one point, I, he, he spent years like during the Great Depression, like train hopping around the West Coast. And and just going like town to town like I'd love to, I've never heard his voice. I'd love to hear these stories from him. And that's what Sound Story is. It's a professionally produced conversation. Call it a podcast, if you will, in which the guest is one of the most important people in your life. Could be mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whatever it is. You get to pick a professional interviewer. I am on that list. The Minneapolis section of my sound story starting at just three ninety nine. MySoundStory.com. Get 10% off a gift certificate when you enter the promo code PURPLE. That's MySoundStory.com. Enter the promo code PURPLE. Sound story for you, for them, forever. Kyle? So here's one other thought just off last night's loss and just, you know, the, the 20 and 6 record here. They haven't lost back to back games yet. Knock on wood. We'll see what happens against the Lakers tonight. And they're mostly just losing games every like week and a half or two weeks to good teams. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to lose games in the NBA, right? You're losing at Philadelphia. You're losing at Phoenix with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. You're losing a home game to a really good offensive team in Sacramento who shot lights out. They hit 14 threes in the first half, right? Like it's going to happen at New Orleans with Zion healthy. These are losses that most teams are going to have in the NBA. And you're taking care of business against the Dallases, against the Memphises without Ja, Miami going very businesslike against a fully stocked Miami team. So, you know, they 
a year ago, they had one of the worst records of any playoff team against sub 500 teams this year. I think they're nine and two against the sub 500 teams. So I'll, you know, the occasional loss at New Orleans, at Philadelphia, whatever, man, like those games are a war in the NBA. Just take care of business against the teams you're supposed to. And they have. So mm-hmm. that's a compliment for this. Team. And honestly, with what we know now about the injury report, I don't know for sure at the time of this recording if Anthony Davis is playing. He had another like ankle injury last night. But uh, there are eight and a half point favorites right now against the Lakers tonight. So take the name off the jersey. They should win tonight. Uh, get that thing to four and two during this tough stretch. I was kind of looking around too. It's really hard to predict a schedule at any point, right? Because they played the Clippers a couple times in the new year. Uh, a week ago, two weeks ago, I'd have been like, that's that's free money. Well, now the Clippers are good. So, yeah, just kind of yeah. play who's on your schedule. And last night, I know, again, we talked about the officiating for like 20 minutes. But I do think in every one of these losses, that Raptors game, the Suns game, even though that was, what, the one of the last games of a long road trip and a back-to-back, there are stuff in there that Finchie can point to that's like hey because you know the one thing i know finch isn't going to do he got his money's worth last night post game talking to the media or whatever he's not going to let them come in today and say what we said he's not going to let them be like well we lost because of the officiating mm-hmm. that's not the culture he's building he wants these guys to play on the second night of back-to-backs he wants them to defy whatever circumstances they find themselves in and i love that that's part of the reason i'm kind of a pro finch guy so lakers tonight at the Kings on Saturday, uh, a couple days off for the holidays, and then at the Thunder. It doesn't get any easier, but just keep stacking those wins because you can have a night like last night where you just don't have it, and you can still wake up first place in the West. So good yeah. stuff. Good, good stuff. Uh, our guy uh, Network on Twitter. Oh, Jason Concepcion. This was the highlight of my day yesterday, and I was like, please let us talk about this. He said every NBA team should be allowed to clone one all-time franchise great like in the TV show Foundation. I think it's an Apple TV show. Mm -hmm. I've not seen that show. Let's take KG off the table for this question. Or would would he – would you – I mean, if you cloned KG, I don't know, is there – is there room for KG on the? I guess you'd bump. Sorry, Nas. Wow, Nas, you're, you're going to be waving a towel with Luca. Sorry, Garza now. Kevin, we don't have any room for you. Uh, no, I, I think we should take them, put them on the table really quick, like Elf on the Shelf, and then pull them off. Because this is a fun exercise. You basically take any team and one of their historical greats. You can like clone them and bring them back. Uh, and like I think technically the rules were in this made-up game is like the Cavs could clone a LeBron and Miami could clone a LeBron. I think the only rule was you can't clone a guy who's currently in the league. So for Kevin Garnett, who is the be-all, end-all of Minnesota Timberwolves lore, I was trying to think, does that team, the best defense in the league, and Kevin Garnett was so good at at defense, does it actually do much for them compared to like if the Celtics got Larry Bird? Not only because Larry Bird's one of the all-time greats, as is Kevin Garnett, but like Larry Mm -hmm. Bird would give that Celtics team the extra playmaking and fourth quarter execution that they so drastically need. Well, imagine if like this Kings team got Kevin Garnett, for instance. Yeah, which yeah. They can't, or like, obviously, like, or that's like not yeah, game, or but, Chris Webber. Like, there's just yeah. each team think of the best player that not only the best player in that franchise history, but the best player that would fit what they're doing now. Mm-hmm. And God, I cannot believe these words are leaving my mouth. But like Kevin Garnett would probably not raise the ceiling of this team. Yeah, could KG as much K- as much. KG, KG was a good mid-range shooter. He was not a, he was not the three-point shooter to stretch like like Cat is or Nas, right? So could you put dude, I think KG playing on the same court as Cat 
on the same court as Nas would be yep. fire. Could you put KG and Rudy on the court? Oh, I think so, for sure. I, I do think the guy that gets kind of squeezed out is Nas Defensively, Reed. Defensively, yeah. Defensively, it would be insane to watch that Could happen. you, I mean, could you imagine a lineup? The shooting's probably not there enough, although if I clone Kevin Garnett, he would just, like, he would just start shooting threes. But like a Nikhil, Ant, Jaden, Kevin Garnett, Rudy Gobert, five-man lineup, yes. they'll get enough points. The toughness is there, and they they'll will probably, the, like, the opponent's score would go down. Like, they would just start, like, in the Monstars, they would just start right. losing points because that that would be the best five man defense in the league. But let's take them off the table because I do think well, I know what you're going to say, so I'll throw it back to you. No, no, I want to. Well, like on, on, the, on the KG front, it's funny I ask. I'm just like thinking out loud about <laughs> lineup combinations. And as I as I say, can you put him on the same court as like Gobert for a lot of minutes? Well, I mean, he played minutes with. Think about all the random big men. He just made it. He made it work with. Irvin Johnson, he made it work with Rosh Nesterovich, with Dean Every day Garrett, he showed up Michael Old Candy. Like he basically had to sit in a locker next to some random wolf of the week. Right. Like that's yeah, how his career him was. And Rudy and him and Rudy are so like defensively good luck. And mm-hmm. and KG can guard pretty much any position on the court. Mm-hmm. So it would offensively you'd have to kind of figure out where's your shooting coming from with some of those lineups, but defensively they would even be better than they are now. So I but let's take him off the table. Okay. The an- the answer is prime Sam Cassell. That was my first thought because you could use a backup point guard. You could use, and he can shoot a little bit. He's not the greatest three point shooter, but he's got that two point. He's mm-hmm. he's got that pull up kind of 15 to eighteen footer. Floor so this general. Is, this is good in the comments. Like obviously Kevin Garnett is Minnesota Timberwolves basketball. It's just funny because this team is really built around their size, and they have two really all NBA guys. Of course. Finch would find a way to get the clone of Kevin Garnett into the rotation. I'm just trying to think of like from a backcourt standpoint, Minnesota Mike has been a legend, but is there, you know, is, is a prime Sam Cassell going to bump this thing over the top would be, you know, prime Latrell Sprewell and just a little more floor spacing. Uh, We're kind of going to run out of people to clone because this team doesn't, we've done the top 100 list by the ninth or 10th person. It's like guys on this active roster or you and I, so there's not as many. Okay. To pull from is the Celtics or Lakers, but we've been talking about this team could really use just like scoring in a bottle off the bench, right? Just like a pop, mm-hmm. like a popcorn scorer, a guy that can come in. Who, who who comes in as the sixth man? He's the main scorer on your second unit. He can just get you buckets, right? And fit the hard nosed defensive culture. Jimmy Butler off the bench. Yeah, yep. I I think as network tried to outline this game more and more is that we don't want to take current players but that's another one too that if there's just no okay, rules so that simply clone up so, okay, so clone a player off the board. jimmy okay. butler in this you know put ant at the point ant Jaden, jimmy carl rudy like that's just as good but i am curious I, I read the comments all the time on youtube whether that's good or bad but if you if you're listening to this on youtube or you're listening to this anywhere hop on youtube and put it in the comments if we're missing people because like i saw yeah. ross said Wally Zerbiak, prime Wally Zerbiak. He would be he can shoot. that He's shooting that I... a good defensive player, but he could... Maybe it gets covered up by Rudy and Jaden. Yeah. yeah. So I, I still lean Sam Cassell. I know I've been pretty vocal about is Mike Conley the best point guard in Timberwolves history, and you've been right to call me out and be like, no, it's still... Do you remember how good Sam Cassell was during that Western Conference Finals run? I probably don't. So he would be perfect on this team. Maybe he's the backup. Maybe he's the starter, whatever. But a Conley-Cassell... 
48 minutes of that point guard and that ability to not only make shots and defend and navigate screens, but also just keep everyone else in check and be adults out there and have big balls, uh, that would be awesome. What about Michael Beasley? Hear me out. Yeah. (laughs) What about Prime Darko? Didn't Darko, didn't Darko, he didn't have like money in a bank. He just kept his money in cash under a mattress. I'm pretty sure that came out at some that point. Sounds, that sounds about right. I think Nicole Pekovic also did that, but that money was uh, from different sources. It probably wasn't from the Wolves. It was probably Darko from Milicic, the cartel. money mattress. I don't think you Darko ever thought you'd Google that. This is from Yahoo Sports 2012. Darko Milicic doesn't need your fancy banks to keep his money in. One of his former teammates was interviewed and said it's nearly impossible to explain the weirdness that is Darko, but he told me one time he did not keep his money in a bank, nor did he invest in stocks or bonds. Uh, He says, I just keep it, he told me, and then turned away. Looking back, I should have asked a follow-up question. I don't know if I believe him, but he was making over $6 million. Where do you keep your money? Do you keep it in a bank? No, I just keep it. Okay. You, You Sounds good. You've covered pro teams way longer and way better than i have but i know we kind of hit on this with with craig on monday which by the way that was one of our like most viewed youtube videos yeah. or whatever the craig, craig kilborn when the wolves are good is elite so go check that out if you already haven't uh craig was awesome on on basketball as well as like being a celebrity and stuff um and i don't have any desire to talk about the ant thing or the personal life stuff but i just it does remind me of some stories i've heard that these these kids young adults 21 22 24 26 whatever they get all this money and you would think that all of them just have you know berkshire hathaway like level of strategy and it's like some of them just put the money under the mattress like some of them just cash the checks man and just throw it in brown paper bags in in their apartment or their condo like not everyone is a money mogul yet uh and that's why you see some of the 30 for 30s you've seen (laughs) and darko makes me think of that because i've heard of other guys that are just uh, there was Nas Reed did a pod this week when he was a rookie. You'll love this. Nas and Jalen Noel were out on the road one road trip with James Johnson. Not- you know, notable black belt, tough guy, just re-signed with the Pacers. And they went shopping, and Nas was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm undrafted. Like, I'm probably going to go drop like a 1000 bucks and get some stuff. And they go shopping, and they pull out like credit cards or cash. And James Johnson was like, what are you doing? He's like, you never pull out money around me. And James Johnson just treated those two guys to like, I don't know, ten, twenty thousand dollars worth of stuff on a random Saturday in Dallas. And it's like, yeah, that sounds like NBA culture. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's always I hear stories on the football side, too. And it makes me they laugh at it and stuff, but it makes me feel bad for some of the younger players. Like in the NBA, most players who are coming in are making seven figures. There mm-hmm. are some second round guys, but like Anthony Edwards as a, as a number one overall pick, like his salary the first year was eight million dollars or something. There's NFL guys that come in, they're on a practice squad, maybe they make like a couple hundred thousand dollars, which is like, you know, you that, that's great. But for an NFL player, and they'll get stuck at dinner with like mm-hmm. the offensive lineman bill for, you know, $20,000, and it's like 10% of their practice squad check. Or and and like, oh, it is it. very difficult, I totally get this, for fans, average, you know, solid household incomes to relate to that stuff. Be like, well, what do you mean? Like, yeah. Nas was second year still making two hundred thousand dollars and it's like yeah but imagine but, but, being but his at teammates dinner are with, going to every nice restaurant in every city imagine if you're you at know? dinner with someone who makes two hundred and twelve thousand dollars a game right yeah. like that's 
I, and you want to hang? With, you want to hang with those? Go, hey, where are we going tonight? Oh, we're going to go to the most expensive restaurant and then the most expensive club because that's where we go. And you don't want to not hang. When I so. grab dinner with Alex Rodriguez, I feel uncomfortable because he just <laughs> makes so much more money than me and has so many more bored apes. So it, yeah. it's a real thing. And and I saw Ross in the chat was like, I remember Andre Risen didn't know how taxes work, and these these players and these teams have way more people to support them and help them. But that's why still in 2023, especially again, I, I joke about like all the crypto and NFT and all this different stuff that's happening. These guys are main targets for being frauded out of money. Uh, yeah. I have no idea how we got on this topic. Oh, Darko, but think, uh, uh, Darko and also like Anthony Edwards just being, young. Oh, here's my point on, on, on that. Just like big picture. Young athletes have been acting like idiots and doing immature, mm-hmm. stupid things mm-hmm. for a hundred years. Maybe mm-hmm. not a hundred years. I don't know if like, well, Babe Ruth was. Babe Ruth was like, you know, womanizing and and getting drunk between doubleheader games back in the 1920s. So call it a hundred years of young athletes, young famous athletes being idiots, right? The difference is in the last 10 years, we can screenshot things and document things with our phones and blast it to millions of people in two seconds. So you got to adjust, you know, you can't be, you can't send text messages. You just be a nice person in general, but you also have to really think about what DMs am I sending? What text mm-hmm. messages? Like, could what I'm saying be screenshotted and put out for the world to see? So it's just a, it's, it's a different level of thinking now compared to the last you know, 90 or 100 years. And you and I and Ross and a lot of the listeners, we've been around for what is a pretty magical timeline, right? Because Michael Jordan, who is, who is my goat, uh, didn't really have to deal with that stuff. You know, like if Michael Jordan in 2023 was at the casino till 4 a.m. the night before a finals game, Twitter would, I mean, Twitter broke last night, Twitter would break again. Uh, And then like Tiger Woods kind of came in and he was that first stepping stone to where screenshots and DMs and stuff. And now all these players have to go through with it. I've never, I saw some people tweeted us this week like, oh, are you going to talk about this? Like, I don't think we've ever really dove into the dating lives or any of that stuff with any athlete. It's just, I'm, I'm an old enough adult to know that. I don't look up to really anyone as my hero other than maybe like my parents. Uh, yeah. So I'm not going to think much differently. I mean, it came out today that like Tyreek Hill of the Miami Dolphins has had three kids with three different women this year. I just, I'm, it, it maybe it says something about me, but I just, I just kind of watch them play football and then I pull back. I don't, you know, subscribe to do, having to be my life mentor. Do you remember on Hard Knocks was uh, one of the Cromarties was on Hard Knocks with the Jets like 14 <laughs> yeah. years ago. Yeah. And they were trying to see if he could name all like 12 of his kids. Mm-hmm. And there was just a segment of him being like, uh, yeah, we got, uh, you know, um, well, Darius, he's one of my kids. And then he's like, it's like, man, and they're kind of making a joke out of it, but. He sounded yeah, like a drunk know. Santa trying to name all the reindeers. Like, yeah. ah, Prancer. Dixon. No, that was one of my girlfriends. Uh, and also, too, look at us. I don't think uh, Phil and I, we do well and we have fun. I don't think I'm the one that should comment on what making $30 million a year and what I have to go through on. There's not a lot of people in my DMs. Let's just put it that way. It's yeah. my wife and my friends, no. and they're usually <laughs> sending me Corgi videos. So uh, yeah, I don't have to deal with what Ant deals with. So I hope he continues to make better decisions. It's part of the growing process. We've saw literally a kid show up in Minneapolis at 18 and now he's becoming a young adult. He calls it home. I thought Finch handled it really well too, where he's like, it doesn't represent us as an organization and we'll continue to have those talks. So uh, that's enough of that. But yeah, yeah, just be smart and have a happy holidays. <laughs> Let's uh, get Ross, our producer extraordinaire in here with 
What are you wearing? A fire today, sweater. Sir? What is that? What's up, boys? I'm wearing my 1990s professional wrestler meets elf shirt. Today I was going to say here. you literally just yeah. got oh, back wow. from Santa's workshop. Yeah, okay. yeah. Somebody else around the office today, actually, uh, Julia from one of our shows on My Talk 107, is calling me the elf on the shelf today. Okay. So that, I see now we, there's a, there's a bunch of memes going around now. Like you've heard of Elf on a Shelf, have you heard of like our guy Rudy Pavich had one where it's Rhonda on a Honda. Rhonda <laughs> I would like to just because you said the W word, people are never going to listen to this pod. But I would like to do a 45 minute flagrant howls that we start by saying, "Hey, the Minnesota Timberwolves are 42 and 15," and then we just talk about wrestling. So I'm just putting Dude, that out there for next year. You know I'm in for that. Maybe we 100%. comp like every Wolves player in their rotation. To a historic wrestler, that oh, would be fun. We've already a had a money in the bank reference on this podcast. Oh, Did and we? when and when you come to Target Center yeah. to play the Wolves in number one defense, it's Hell oh. in a Cell. I don't know, I'll keep going until you, until you cancel me. <laughs> hell in a Cell. Be great if you're just the, the NBA Finals are starting, and all of a sudden, like you know, Adam Silver comes out and says, "There's a third team. There's just gonna be three teams playing." Triple God, Tyus Jones, he's here. <laughs> All right, Ross is here to lead us in a random wolf of the week. Uh, we've done five of these. Kyle has a four-to-one lead on me. I finally broke the stretch. By the way, Bobby Jackson, who was last week's random wolf in town, or not in town, uh, he was on the Sixers bench last night, along with Doug West, right? Two former. Yeah. yeah. Ah. I was glad they called that out last night. So uh, we've had Bobby Jackson, Sebastian Telfair, Jalen Noel, J.J. Barea, and Antoine Walker. Ross will throw out some clues. We can blurt out answers whenever we think we know it. Each one of us gets three strikes. If you hit that third strike, you're out. The other person wins. So that's part of the strategy. So we, we got 14 clues queued up for you today, gentlemen. I think this one's a little bit more difficult, but you will obviously be the judge of that. Here we go. This Wolf of the Week is the definition of a journeyman player. Definition of a journeyman. Also, because you said this last night, Michael Grady def- uh, described Patrick Beverly as a journeyman, and I thought that was perfect. I'm just going to leave that there. Um, that's funny. Yeah, I like that. I mean, that's <laughs> just going to leave that, that there. That's, we lo- that's I appreciate a, that's a his tenure uh, during that fun season, and I appreciate the memes and, and shooting the shirts into the into the crowd. But I thought Grady handled that really well. That's great. Move on. By the way, real quick, I forgot to do this, so think on that first clue for a second while I shout out our friends at Popcorn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. The good news, we did send a Timberwolves tin to Craig Kilborn out in Los Angeles. He's really into the the white cheddar (laughs) and the Parmesan (laughs) garlic. So our friends at Popcorn... Are uh, are making that tin happen? But you can, yeah, you can customize your flavor selections. They've got eighty different flavors of small batch popcorn at Popped Corn. It's gift giving season, so uh, Southwest Hot Wing, Barbecue Chipotle, Mac and Cheese, Spicy Dill Pickle, which we had in the office there, that was fantastic. Parmesan garlic, and then there's also just like the Vegas mix that you're used to with the mm-hmm. caramel and the cheese and uh, and the buttery buttery flavor, always a favorite. Popped corn. They've got tins for Vikings, Gophers, Twins, Wild, Wolves, and other professional sports teams. Go online at poppedcorn.com. That's poppedcorn.com. Okay. Reminder of clue number one. This Wolf of the Week is the definition of a journeyman player. Clue number two. This Wolf of the Week is 35 years old. Uh This Wolf of the Week is 35 years old. 
How you feeling? Well, I mean, I've got some ideas, but okay. I'm, I'm going to let... It's Phil early. It's early. It's early. This Wolf of the Week played for seven different NBA franchises. This Wolf of the Week played for seven different hmm. NBA franchises. I always like to envision people listening to this like on their commute to work or something, and they're just yelling out names. Yes. Because yeah, I've seen yeah, people yeah. in the comments be like, I knew that before you, and I bet you they did. A lot did of smart people Did you say it out loud alone in your car, though? Because if you didn't, if you kept it to yourself. Then yeah, it's not a guess. Yeah. Sometimes people just like to say that to make themselves sound better, too. You yeah, know yeah. That, You know they didn't have yeah, it. Yeah, I, like, had, I, like, had I know I had who that. it is right now, but I just want to see if Kyle knows. Yeah. So yeah. We'll see. You're, setting, you're setting Kyle up for an all-time comeback is what you're doing. This Wolf of the Week played in just 13 games for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Just 13 games. And it's a... Hold on. No, we're not going to use it in a sentence. Keep going, Russ. Oh wow! <laughs> Kyle gets so defensive. Okay, I'm, I'm I've lost one game, and I'm now I'm just ruthless. This wolf of the week averaged a career high 11.8 points per game in 69 games for a late night Western Conference foe in the mid 20 teens. I'm going to read that again. It's a bit wordy. Yeah, that would be math. This wolf of the week averaged a career high. 11.8 points per game in 69 games. Nice. For a late-night Western Conference foe in the mid-20-teens. Hmm. Hmm. Somebody just um, set their car horn, locked their doors. One of you guys may be about to get robbed. Just a heads up. I, they're about to, I bet you the they're going to plant more trees outside my window. That's what they're going to do. chaos. However... This Wolf of the Week averaged just three and a half points per game for the Timberwolves. Wow. So he made his mark, man. He averaged three points a game in 13 games with this <laughs> franchise. This is a deep cut. This is a deep cut. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if no you guys get this. this. This Wolf of the Week primarily played the three in the NBA. Okay, this Wolf of the Week... Primarily a small forward playing the three in the NBA. Oh, oh. Don't. Is it Lance Stevenson? It is not Lance Stevenson. <sighs> oh, that was on. I wrote that down. Good. I thought you were going to go with mine, but I don't know if he actually played for the wall. Okay. I, okay. I think this is where it's going to start to turn a little bit. Because Lance did actually play for the Wolves a few years ago. Yeah. Now, he, now yep. he's with Iowa. Mm -hmm. Okay. This Wolf of the Week was a mid to late first round pick in the 2009 NBA draft. I will tell you, it was post 20. I know everybody Everybody gets a little weird about what is middle, what is late. This guy was drafted after the 20th overall pick in the 2009 NBA draft. Put your phones down if you're in your car. I know oh that. My gosh. You're looking the, up basketball the, reference. Don't do it. The look on Phil's face right now. This Wolf of the Week signed with the Timberwolves in March of 2017. Oh, that was a that's a dark period of again. Yeah. Well, no, oh no! Wow, this no. wolf of the week signed with the Timberwolves in March of 2017. Oh, I love oh. this one, dude. This is uh, oh no! Oh, 
this wolf of the week has not seen an NBA floor since the 2018-2019 season. Again, this wolf of the week has not seen an NBA floor since the 2018-2019 season. Quick 30. Quick 30. Quick Can 30. we ask Ross to repeat a random or a recent clue or not? Sure. You can ask Ross whatever you want, and he can refuse yep. to answer. Okay. okay, Ross, when did he sign? Nope, I will reread that clue. This wolf of the week signed with the Timberwolves in March of 2017. Oh, that, okay. 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 This wolf of the week is a towering six foot nine inches tall. This <clears throat> wolf of the week. I would like is to a submit a guess. Towering Kyle's six foot nine inches tall. The March one is helpful. And the West Coast one is helpful as well. Ladies and gentlemen, the random wolf of the week. Omri Caspi. Oh, he got it! What? He nailed it! <laughs> what? Wink. You, Kyle! Dude, you, didn't, you, you could I, have I thrown a thousand clues out. You could have given initials, and I would not have guessed Omri Caspi. Uh, you didn't wow. even let me get to the sweet clues where I basically hand it to you guys on a, on a silver platter. No, the draft one truly, because as Phil said, Dark Times, one of like my random quirks i just like looking up old drafts i love to like redraft in my own brain so i kind of know those i think he was drafted he would have been drafted ross without looking up by the kings i imagine correct but then signing in march he was kind of like a weird not buyout to 10 day kind of contract but he was on this team for a hot second Dude, he uh, was yep. with the warriors the next year too he spent 17 18 with the di the dynasty warriors he and in his i don't want to say his prime I'm sure you guys are on basketball reference now, but he, he was a nice player. Like, he was a nice yeah. player. He didn't really he, do anything here, obviously, but uh, he, he, he was, was a good rotation guy. I'm gonna, he, yeah, he was uh, 23rd by the Kings. Okay. Fun fun Dude. fact about him, the only Israeli-born Minnesota Timberwolf ever, at least per the all-time roster. Really? Unless I'm missing somebody, but I don't believe I was because I went through the all-time really? roster. Wow, dude. Well, there it is. All right, Kyle, five to one lead here in random wolf of the yeah. week. We, we got to get going here. We're up against our uh, our heart out. But thank you guys for hanging out with us here on Flagrant House. Please give us a five star rating and a positive review if you could to help spread the word about this podcast. And uh, yeah, click that like button and the subscribe button on the Scorn Earth YouTube channel. This is your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast.